The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome to Everybody is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast where we make our way through every single episode of Red Dwarf. Uh, Myself, Phil Hawkins, and... And me, Adam Martin. Hello, everyone. uh, We are the two people that are coming from very different perspectives. I have been watching Red Dwarf for many years. I mean, you'll know this already. I said we say this quite a lot, but like by now, if you've been following the podcast, you know the shtick. It's like the opening tagline, isn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching, basically, I've been watching for decades. Adam is watching it for the very first time. I you know this school. You know, you know this school. Yeah. We're up to The Inquisitor, the second episode mm. of series five. Um, and uh, let me read the synopsis to say... Go for it, go for it. You know, give you a gist of what happens. The Red Dwarf crew encounter The Inquisitor, a mechanical life form who has made himself judge, jury, and executioner of all humanity throughout history. Mm. If he decides your life hasn't been worthy enough... You are erased and replaced. Bad luck for the Dwarfers. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I think a, a guy time traveling, erasing those who have um, who have lived unworthy lives is bad news for our, our little band of four, isn't it, really? Yeah, just a little bit. And it also reminded me of some other things, but we'll we'll get to that when we when we get there. I'm, I think I'm there sure were a have... lot of... We, we've talked a lot over the last couple of series about how they like to draw in filming influences to a lot of these things, and I think there's quite a few obvious ones in this one, which I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll get to. Um, that We kind of get an opening scene that isn't the crew. It's It starts with the Inquisitor do, going about his duties, you know, time traveling, erasing mm-hmm. a guy from history for being unworthy. This was apparently originally planned to be a pre-credit sequence, a cold open. Um, but then at the last minute, they, the higher ups decided that they didn't want to do that. Because, you know, on British TV, that wasn't the done thing in the 90s. You didn't really have. Yeah, it's sequences. a rarity. Yeah. yeah, but I think it would have worked quite well for, to kind of set up the the tension a bit. If that had yeah, happened before was, the music and before the theme tune. Yeah, because it's quite an ominous opening for Red Dwarf. Obviously, there's, there are a few gags in there, but it is played mainly for that, like you say, like the tension, isn't it? And the the stakes of it. Yeah. So I think that'd be cool with the cold, cold open thinking about yeah. it now. Yeah, it would have worked a lot better. But, you know. What did you think of the Inquisitor when you first saw him? Uh, Predator, maybe? <laughs> uh, well... I don't, yeah, I think I wrote somewhere, I'm trying to get, I think I wrote, Not. I'm not saying this in a horrible way, it's just like, but it reminded me of those, so this is really random reference, but I used to go paintballing, right, we've got a paintball field near where I live, and part of one of the game modes was they had Predator, uh, in quotation marks, a guy dressed up as Predator, who was like the the invincible character, you know, they go around, they could shoot you, even if you shot them, they would, do you know what I mean? You couldn't kill yeah. them, they'd just come to kill you. Um, but the costume, bless their hearts, was very uh, thrown together to look like Predator. Um, okay. And it gave me sort of that vibe. It's not in a disrespectful way, but it's like they wanted to do their own version, but still have some Predator-ish vibes about it. So it kind of reminded me of that, like right off the bat, I was like, oh, that looks like Predator, and I think this would have aired a few years after Predator came out, because Predator was like 87, 88, 
This is like 92. So yeah, I don't know about you, but that was my first impression. I was like, oh, it's Predator. It's not one that came to mind, actually, Predator. But it, I can see now you've said it, I can see what you mean. Mm. I thought I thought the mask was very effective. It was definitely very imposing. It was, mm. you know, quite great. It looked well well put together. It didn't The mask itself didn't look, to me anyway, particularly cheap or, you know, it looked like a good bit of costume design, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the no, I like evoked. the overall costume. Yeah, I don't know. There was just like the um, and this is just me probably being cynical, but the visor for me looked a little bit like yeah, you could get enough. out of a shop. I guess. I guess so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is meant to look like a visor because he pulls it up later, doesn't he? Um, he does. When, we, which we'll get does. to. But yeah. overall, like I thought, it was quite. Uh, it got across the imposing yeah. nature of the character very well, which I do have to say was for me slightly undermined by the scottish accent because yeah i mean not, not that scottish not, not people say, yeah. can't oh, be God, imposing yeah. they absolutely can any but, scots uh, out there you can be really imposing when you want to be but absolutely i think it was just because i'm that type of character i'm just mm. not you it, it was just a bit of a surprise that yeah uh, it was a scottish kind of i don't know what accent i was expecting but yeah. it, it wasn't scottish the void you occupied in the space-time continuum will be allocated to a person who was never given the gift of life. Yeah, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? Because when you're doing those, like, villain, deep, booming voices, it's very so often, like, I guess, that very low, like, standard English or sometimes clipped English, you know? Because it, it, it's the it's the stereotype, I guess, at that point. So, and yeah, you can have villains that obviously have accents, of course. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, at first, like, the first scene, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very pleasant Scottish accent, right? But I probably would have said the same, you know, if it was, you know, Yorkshire or or, or any any accent that yeah. wasn't like a standard. Any particularly accent. distinctive accent, I think, it was, that you're not expecting to come out of there. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But it was only that first scene. Rest of it, I didn't really clock it. Yeah. It was only that I think, initial. I think you adjust quite quickly to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he deletes this poor guy from history for leaving, for, for not out. having, in, you know, wasting his life and opportunity, living a worthless life. And he's replaced by um, someone with a similar mustache, but overall looks a bit like he works out a bit more. And uh, I don't know, is that meant to imply that you've been more successful? I don't know. <laughs> There's not really anything that like shows why this guy has been let yeah, I thought life. that. Like, I thought they'd explain that a little bit, or that maybe this guy who'd replaced him was gonna play a part in the episode. But <laughs> you don't see him after this scene, and I get it. They're just establishing the point that the Inquisitor replaces you. But yeah, with the attention they were giving him, I was like, okay, so why is he better? Or like, like you said, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they could have done that, but we we see this happen again later in the episode. The idea of someone being deleted for something better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of establishes that. And then we go to what the crew, you know, obviously a, a different time and a different place, what the crew, what the Red Dwarf are up to. They're currently on Starbug. Um, again, again. Yeah, you know, again. as I said. They're, like, there's they're, a theme here. So. Yeah. Well, clearly they the they just had a set. The, the standing sets, I think. Mm. I think there's less Red Dwarf standing sets for this series and more yeah. Starbug standing sets. So that's why that's partly... They made that decision. Right, okay. Um, and Lister is reading The Aeneid by yes. Virgil. Yes, uh, ripping the apart comic the comic book whole... version. <laughs> oh, of course, the the simplified version. But yeah, tearing apart the Trojan horse, and I, I thought, you know, the, it, I like the I like when he actually rips it apart because when you 
it makes sense what he's saying. Like when he explains it, it's like, yeah, how did they just accept this massive horse that could conveniently hold all these people? And yeah, I, he's got a point. I mean, the Greeks have been camped outside Troy, kapow and zapping and kasplatting the Trojans for the best part of a decade, yeah. So? So all of a sudden they wake up one morning and the Greeks have gone. And there outside the city walls, they've left this gift, this tribute to their valiant foes, a huge wooden horse, just large enough to happily contain 500 Greeks in full battle dress and still leave adequate room for toilet facilities. Are you telling me that not one Trojan goes, hang on a minute, that's a bit of a funny prezi. What's wrong with a couple of hundred pairs of socks and some aftershave? No, they don't. They just wheel it in and all decide to go for an early night. He's got a point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I liked it. When they started going on, when it was just sort of about reading, like, Virgil and stuff, I thought, mm, I was like, are we going to get a joke, like, a really long build to a maybe not so good joke? Like, you know, I've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. But, no, as, as soon as he started ripping it apart, I was with him then because, I, you know, it, again, it makes sense and he sells it like that, you know. So I, I liked it, actually, That's that little scene. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Uh, and and I do like the fact that Lister, you know, Lister... He's reading the Aeneid. You got to give him credit for that, even if it is just a uh, comic book. You know, yeah, kind of a. He's mixture trying of... to engage his his, his brain yeah. in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Very quickly though, he gets sort of taken over by this bolt of lightning, which comes the Inquisitor and his yeah. voice. The Inquisitor's voice is. I I think it's meant to be that it's coming out of coming out of Lister, but he, it's not like his mouth moves in time. With yes. it. he's just kind of frozen. And it's, it's classic a bit of a 90s weird BBC light, uh, lightning as well. Just one tiny little, you know, little blue yeah. stream. Oh, it's sweet. I thought that was it? a bit of a strange effect for what they were trying, what it seemed they were trying to get across, that they'd effect, he'd effectively taken over Lister's body. Yeah, but I'm, I'm surprised, though, because it implies that he's using Lister fully to, like, communicate, hmm. but they don't go the route of making Craig Charles mime the dialogue. I mm. thought that was just an odd choice because he just sort of stands there like he's being electrocuted, which, yeah, it works. But I don't know. I just found it. Maybe they're trying to get across that the Inquisitor is like this ethereal being. But I don't know. It, ju- it just seemed a bit odd that, OK, so he's taken control of him, but he's not using his mouth to. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not yeah. using Lister as a vessel, so to speak. He's just he's halted his body. But why? Like, why? Why does he need to do that if he's not going to use his voice? I don't know. That was what I Yeah, thought, it was like, a bit but, strange. Yeah, bit strange that one. Um, and then so after that, he also controls the ship to turn around and start heading back towards Red Dwarf, where he's going to judge them all. Um, yeah. So is that another presenting your case slash justice kind of episode? Yes, I thought. Of course. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. we have had that yeah. before in Justice, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, just Although that sort of... Not yeah, focused sorry. just on one person, where it, yeah. it was then. And uh, I guess like not like the crew. trial, but it was just that thing of like presenting reasons for... Well, you, whatever your case is, yeah, it just seems to be a recurring, a recurring theme. Yeah, before they get back to Red Dwarf and have to face uh, the Inquisitor, though, we get Crichton sort of gives us a bit of an exposition dump, but I think done quite well. I think yeah. it's you know it doesn't feel like a tired exposition dump. It doesn't feel like like it makes sense within the context. It's interesting and and basically says that the, the Inquisitor is a simulant who lived to the end of time and came to the conclusion that there's no God and no afterlife. I, I think a missed opportunity to mention calculators here. 
And uh, yes, oh yes, <laughs> and yeah. and uh, where do all the calculators go? Uh, if there's no go? afterlife, uh, <laughs> we do get a reference later on in the episode, Silicon Heaven, we do. from uh, from Crichton. So I, I will let we him do. off there. But um, yeah, no, the exposition was fine. I did think towards the end, I don't, I felt either the energy or the timing seemed a little bit off to me. Um, it was when I can't remember what Crichton says, but you know where Chris Browning goes, like oh, and then ah. And like those quick, rea- like those just like one word reactions. For yeah. me, the I d- the timing just seemed a little slow. And I remember I paused it and went back and I thought, oh, is he doing like, is he taking time to like, you know, do like a facial reaction first before the dialogue? And he isn't really. It's just sort of a, to okay. me at least, and maybe it's because it's drilled into me after acting training. Like there's a big emphasis on, especially with things like that, all my teachers be like, they were like, you know, no pauses. It's like, you've got to, you know, you've got to be like, bam, bam, bam to get it across. So maybe it's that screaming in my head. It it just seemed a little bit like one second off for me. Hmm. Because I think there's, uh, I think there's place, there's definitely place for pauses. And I think even, I I know what you mean about there there being no particular overemphasized facial expression to go with it. But I think him just kind of like, it's kind of like he was, processing it for that few seconds so mm. it's like Crichton says oh you know he goes after because because the thing is that he after just after coming to the conclusion there was no god and no afterlife comes to the conclusion that his only purpose of existence is to lead a worthwhile life so he builds a time machine and goes back and assesses everyone's life mm-hmm. of whether or not they've left lived a worthwhile life and yeah. deletes those that haven't and replaces them um so a as he's sort of describing what would make someone live a worthwhile life and Rim is questioning that and he's like, it's like, I think that pause is quite important for him to go. It's kind of him going in his head, right. And then going, oh, because <laughs> yeah. that's bad news for him. Yeah, I, it might. It's probably just me and all that, all that drill into my head. But yeah, I just, I did notice it. Just for me, I thought, hmm, I'm maybe a little bit quicker. But you know, personal perspective and whatever. So yeah, Lister yeah. makes um, a point that I think I wish they delved into more and explored a bit more, which was like, who decides what's worthwhile? Because I like, like we were saying, and this kind of ties in a bit to them not showing the the why the guy in the opening scene had apparently left led a worthwhile yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of implied that that that's you know shown by the fact that he's slightly overweight and and you know it happens to be in bed and has an untidy mustache and the guy that he's replaced with is fit and healthy, slim mm. and has a tidy mustache. But that's like I don't know. I wish they'd gone into more. Uh, done a bit more of a series one series two type take on it where they'd uh-huh. explored that as a theme a bit more about what who decides what's worthwhile which they didn't you know they skirted around a little bit but didn't really delve into much yeah because it, as we've said red dwarf does do it's like more philosophical or like messagey episodes and i just thought this would have been a, it's a really good question to explore like yeah who does the because you know someone could be uh, maybe not in a great place like say i don't know in terms of like what they eat for example, maybe like Lister, but at the end of the day, if he feels fulfilled and happy in whatever else he does in life, then mm. surely that may- yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a really good question that they sadly don't take more time to delve into. I guess. Yeah, I mean, plot wise, they kind of skirt around having to deal with it. Sort by, of, yeah. By like, having the fact that 
people are judging themselves because mm. when he when the inquisitor lifts the mask whoever there is on trial at that point they're faced with themselves and yes. it's themselves who judge them more, so, more double acting for the cast which i thought was great Love yeah seeing it when they double up so I, I guess that kind of from a plot perspective skirts around that that question but just i think it would have been interesting to to explore a bit more absolutely absolutely what did you think about all the people judging themselves I thought it was great because they the uh, let's say the the versions of them under the Inquisitor's mask were exact. They'd responded exactly as you'd expect them to. Like Lister, for you know, first thing he says, "Oh, try and get out of this one, Smeghead." That's exactly what you know because Lister's always trying to get out of things. So of course he would say that to himself and and Cat as well. It was it wasn't my funniest one, but it was a potential you know because Cat is just. So what about you then? He goes, I got a beautiful ass. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, shallow, but that's right. Yeah. You know? And we've seen that before when I can't remember which one it was, but you know, where Kat saw himself and they basically just compliment each other and all yes. that stuff. So I he, love that. It's it's like very subtle continuity. Whenever Kat's faced with himself, it's all compliments or shallow, like, oh, but I look good. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, of course, that's how they judge themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rimmer has on display his usual self-loathing because yeah. as much as everyone else hates Rimmer, he kind of hates himself as well. And, yeah. uh, but he does in a way <laughs> he, he makes a point about how, you know, what do you expect given the, what I had to deal with as a kid, you know, my, the way my parents were basically and how my brothers mm. treated me. And, and that's kind of what saves him in the end. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I really quite liked uh, Crichton's testimony. It was very, like, it wasn't really played for laughs that much. He gave a very, like, quite deep and well-argued, like, reasoning as to why he should, you know, about him being a machine and how he sort of skirts around, I guess, you know, the conventions of, uh, I don't know, like, you know, human thinking of what's, you know, this and that. I quite liked it. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because he said that he can't justify. Uh, he kind of said, well, I can't because I... You know, I I am my programming and stuff, and you'd only be able to do this by breaking your programming. But mm. he has broken his programming, so I'm not that confused me slightly because we've seen Lister help him break his programming in the past. So yeah, I thought, or maybe he was just doing it to save face in front of himself. You know, trying to yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and then of course Lister just tells him to smeg off and doesn't even bother trying to justify anything. As you'd so, expect. As you'd expect. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so we get to the final judgment and it's uh, Rimmer and, uh, no, sorry, Lister and Crichton are the ones to get erased. Yes. So he changes the timeline first and then he goes to erase them, but future <laughs> Crichton pops up behind him. And I love With this With a laser chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, la laser chainsaw. And he's like, I, I love the way he's just going on about how, when he's explaining them, because he chops the hand off, throws them the gauntlet, and then he's explained, future Crichton is explaining to past Crichton and Lister, you know, what's happening. And he's literally saying, While I'm standing here explaining this to you, the Inquisitor jumps me from behind like this. <laughs> yeah. It was a very good scene. Very well done. It is. And uh, uh, the minute he cut off the, the, the gauntlet, I just got, I was like, oh... I mean, Phil, you're an MCU man. I was getting major Thanos Infinity Gauntlet, <laughs> you know, wiping people out. I was like, this all makes sense. I was like, they were doing Infinity War before, way before it's time. I mean, it sort of is, isn't it? A, a glove that has the power to 
erase or bring back people. Yeah. That's basically yeah. the Infinity Gauntlet, just without the stones. Yeah, so. and we get some also some uh, lovely timey-wimey stuff, which us Doctor Who fans do. love. We do, we do. We love to pick it apart for all it's worth. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, and then they run into Cat and Rimmer, who don't recognise them. No, because since they've technically been... Um, was it? Yeah, they've been erased from their their timeline or whatever, or or the the, the trace of them. Sorry, has been has been wiped from the ship. Yeah, no one. Yeah, there was some not... there were some nice deep continuity references when uh, Lister is trying to convince him to that that he knows him. He's like, I know you, Rimmer. and then he mentions like the bronze swimming certificate, which the BSC is on his thing. He mentions yeah. uh, the, he mentions the Samaritan switchboard thing mm, uh mm. from like series two or whenever it was or three um and he mentions his brothers as well all things like so there's some nice like just just like nice little easter eggs in there for the fans that there recognize is. these references back to previous episodes yeah I like that and there's that's some of the best like red dwarfisms as it were those like little deep continuity references to things like that no it's really good um and I mean, aside from that, then we get alternative versions of Lister and Crichton popping up, and then and then I was like, oh my god, more MCU references. This is now like Loki. Oh um, yes, the variants. for anyone who hasn't seen it, we won't spoil it. But I mean, you probably know from the trailer, you know, alternate dimensions, timelines are involved, different variants. That's the buzzword, variant. I was like, there's so many variants running around. So yeah, two MCU references in in one episode. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Okay, I'm not quite sure we can justify calling them references when this happened a good like uh, what? Oh no, 15 but that's what I mean. Like the... They they <laughs> anticipated it. Uh, the creators Naylor and Grant they should be on to Disney for this. They'd be like, hang on, you you watched this episode and thought, yep, there's our ideas. But it's just funny, isn't it? How? <laughs> oh, because obviously in media ideas repeat, and it's just funny that two concepts linked to one franchise popped up you know as they anticipated or whatever but yeah i just found it quite funny but yeah but but played and by the, the one actors. from list the the alternative lister i think they describe it as like basically a di- as if a different sperm had got to the egg first yeah. but it's like his sperm brother i think he calls him at one point something like that yeah um and yeah. Crichton is just an, a different android hmm who I no. think I meant I noticed in the credits doesn't get a credit. I think only oh. the I, I could be I I did watch that. I think only the alternative Rimmer uh, not Rimmer alternative Lister gets a credit. Um, but yeah, just found that. Let odd, me so. see if it's on the yeah. On I, obviously, IMDb? wasn't Robert Llewellyn. It was it was no. a different actor. But um, yeah, I I just found that odd. Yeah, I'm trying to see if um oh second Crichton Tim Yates. Tim Yates. Oh, maybe I missed so it. It does, then, it does say uncredited, yeah. so obviously oh, it wasn't okay. um, on the uh, on the actual credits of the episode. And he has no other credits, so oh, maybe one time. Uh, he has only played. In fact, he's got. He's had various. He's had three roles on Red Dwarf, and that is oh. his entirety of his thing. So I think he might have just been somebody that was on the crew, maybe. Yeah, that they just, just happened like, to jump in. Yeah. Jump in. He's done a bit of acting. Oh, you come and jump in. Yeah, it could be. Could yeah, it could be. be. Sure I mean, he's, he's not exactly in it for a long time, is he? So <laughs> no. No. Um, so. One thing that about this, though, that I, I was like, how does that make sense? Because the implication is that these guys have replaced, you know, Arlister and Rimmer because Arlister and Rimmer aren't worthy, uh, haven't led worthy lives, you know, haven't done anything with their lives. 
but these new ones seem to be there's exactly nothing different. The same. Yeah, <laughs> that, that like they're in the exact same situation. They the Lister seems to act the same way. He yeah. dresses the same way. This show, the the episode doesn't like. It's a similar problem to that first opening scene where they don't show us. They didn't show us why that guy was unworthy, and they haven't shown us why this new version is worthy over our Lister. So it, yeah. it feels like that's missing. And they don't really give it. Well, there's not. They don't really give it much time, you know, to even explain it. Because as soon as these two guys appear, within about two minutes, uh, they well, the Inquisitor kills them off. Yeah. So it's almost I mean, it like okay, have taken well, much, just like no. a line or something, just something to show that they had done something. Like, yeah. That that android had broken its programming. That list and maybe like a line about having before the accident married Kachansky or something like that. I don't know. Just done. Yeah. Just something different because it just comes as is. It just sort of comes us uh, comes off as, Oh, there's new, ver- there's new versions. We're not really going to explain why they're more worthy or whatever. Oh, and now they're dead. Like it just seems more like a, we had an idea and, and now we're going with another idea. Um, yeah, but yeah. as we've said many a time, I think maybe also it's the classic, you know, Red Dwarfs at this point, 25 minutes, and they're probably like, oh, we've got like 10 minutes left on the clock. We've got to move this along. I mean, we, we've said that multiple times, haven't we? Things that we wish had had like more time to be uh, fleshed out or explored, and they might, you know, they may not have just simply had the time to do it. But but that's when they sort of, uh, the plan starts kicking into action and what they're going to do to mm-hmm. uh, to save themselves. Yeah. Um and they go up against with the gauntlet uh the uh the creature uh the the inquisitor and at one point Lister gets turned into sort of little boy Lister like I don't know 8 year old Lister yep. and then old man Lister old man Lister uh yeah. <laughs> and uh who looked who I don't know if it was just me who looked a lot more white than <laughs> Craig Charles uh, or the boy yeah. was <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, they chose an interesting person to be yeah. old man Lister, and just uh, just to randomly tie it in with Marvel again. Imagine if they did like a version of Logan, but called it Lister, and it was all dark and gritty, and <laughs> like Lister as an old man, like being very bitter or whatever. That'd old man be quite Lister, funny. Yeah, old man Lister. Well, uh, as as um, we've been discussing off off air. Uh, they're not that far away from that, probably, nowadays, the actors no, themselves. Hey, hey, if anyone's listening, you know, old, old man Lister. Huh? Craig Charles is in his Charles. 50s now. I mean, that's yeah. he's, he's still looking very good for his 50s, I must I say. I think they're but, all looking uh, very good for their ages, to be are. fair. When you see, like, modern pictures of them, they're all looking very good. So, they are, indeed. Yeah. Um, I like the line uh, from Crichton, where he goes... All in all, today's been a bit of a bummer, hasn't it, sir? <laughs> yeah, it's just like a yeah. This has been nice. a, this has been a day, um, and nice don't bit of love, understatement. <laughs> don't you just love how the time space continuum just reorganizes itself? And now, Andy, yeah, that is. yeah. Oh, uh, well, just before, I mean, talk about the scene when uh, Lister decides to face the Inquisitor. Another showdown. We've seen a few of these now, like the one-on-one Western-esque. Uh, showdown and all all that sort of stuff and um how um lister gets the one up on the inquisitor with some timey wimey stuff of course yeah some some time travel logic which initially we think oh he didn't think that through because he says you know if you erase me 
uh, he, he saves his life. He puts he him in does. a position where he's dangling and going to die. And it's only mm. because he saves his life. So he says, you can't erase me because you'd die, you'd die in that thing. But obviously, yeah. if he didn't exist, he wouldn't have been, the yeah. Inquisitor wouldn't have been put in that position in the first place. Exactly. So we think, oh, initially we think, oh, Lister, you didn't think through <laughs> your time travel logic there. Yeah. But he did. Because he, he wanted the Inquisitor to think he'd won there so that he would then use the glove, which they'd rejigged to backfire, and Inquisitor wipes himself out. He does. He does. And time and we, reorganizes itself just like that. Yeah, and we get, <laughs> therefore, this has quite wide implications because every he's been going around changing history for a yeah. long time by raising mm. different people. And now all of those people are back. So history is now potentially very different. So we get another one of these big, nice... Conven We've had one before, I think, where there's this nice convenient plot point where you can just... Any continuity inconsistencies, you can go, that's why. Different timeline now. Uh, different right, things okay. have happened. Yeah, um, yeah. And there is actually a really interesting theory that I uh, saw on a YouTube video on a channel called uh, Red Dwarf Nerd, I think it's called. Mm. Uh, great channel. And uh, he has a theory video on there about uh, an in-universe reason why the... You won't know this necessarily. I think I've mentioned it before, but the actress right, who plays right. Kachansky yes. up until now has been the um, the Scottish actress that we've seen several times. Not so much recently, but we have seen her. Mm. And then later on, she's played by a different actress. She, yeah. And... Uh, this theory video posits that this is the reason, like, in-universe reason why. Because right, okay. the theory, I think, goes that the version of that we get later on mm. is the unworthy version. Ooh, and right, therefore, okay. when the in the original timeline where the Inquisitor had erased a load of unworthy people... He'd erased her and replaced her with the Scot like the Scottish version of herself. Right, okay. And therefore, right. by undoing all all of his stuff here, it changed the timeline, and that's why we get the uh Chloe Arnett version. Is that her name? Chloe Arnett? Maybe, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, I can't yeah, I can't wait for this to have <laughs> implications I mean, whenever yeah. the production team decide they want there to be implications. <laughs> yeah. I mean it will never come up as a as an in like something we see as confirmed, but it's just a fan theory. But it's a fan theory I really like to explain, yeah. you know, the uh, casting yeah. change for I that can actress. Get, I can get behind that. I can get behind yeah. that completely. It's good. I'll yeah. link the video for anybody in the YouTube description if you're if you're watching on YouTube. I'll link um Red Dwarf Nerds video on the subject down below as well. So if you want to check that out too. Yeah. Um, and here it explained a lot better than I just explained it. And and yeah, so everything's sort of, as far as we know, back to normal. But yes. any other future inconsistencies can now be explained. <laughs> now be parred away. So. <laughs> yeah, by this. Um. So yeah, do you have a, a favourite character from this episode? I do. And I'm going to give it to Crichton. Because okay. um, he actually, well, he I, I thought he did great in this one because, like I mentioned earlier, when he gave his testimony, I liked seeing a side of Crichton that was more, I guess, like analytical and a bit more cunning in a way. Like we were sort of saying, maybe he's trying to cheat the Inquisitor, really, you know, about challenging his way of how he's programmed, even though he's broken his programming. And so I liked seeing a different side of Crichton. 
And but he's also very funny. One of my funniest moments, which I'll mention in a moment, um, but his whole reaction to the the spare hand, and then yes. that scene where him and uh, I think it's yeah him and Lister are together, and he's like starts panicking with his leg. That 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 yeah. I'll mention it in depth in a, in a second, but yeah. So I'm going to give it to Crichton. I, I, I have a he... feeling we've got the same favourite moment. We then, might do, but... <laughs> but yeah, for me, he stood out completely in this one. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we're in complete agreement here because I'm I'm picking Crichton as well because of that. And he, I think just consistently throughout the episode, he also has the funniest moments mm. um, this episode. There's the, that whole, uh, the bit where he appears, the future him appears as well, which is great yeah yeah, uh, yeah we get the bit of the hand with the hand which we're going to talk about in a second uh yeah there's just lots of really nice bits and really funny bits with Crichton yeah. in this episode so also also Crichton so let's yes. talk about the hand yes yeah <laughs> that's, your, I mean, that's your funniest moment is it it is but yeah uh, I think slightly more the yeah the reaction to the hand the first time when... yes when he's trying to, when Lister's trying to hide it from him, and then he realizes, he goes, "Logically, sir, there is only one way you could possibly have opened that door." And then he just goes, "Oh, sir, you've got it in your jacket." <laughs> I got it out of a hole, didn't I? Oh, sir, you are sick. You are a sick, sick person. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, perfect reaction from uh, Robert Llewellyn just completely sells it, and. Yeah, and I look well. It sort of gets a brief mention at the end. You don't see a reaction from Crichton, but Lister holds up the hand at the very. It's the very last frame, isn't it? So it gets a nice little throwback. But also close second is that scene they then have in that room where Crichton starts panicking and his legs shaking, and he gets he starts shouting. He goes, "I do believe in Silicon Heaven," I, and all that. Yeah. It's... Oh yeah, because he can, when he's he can break his programming a lie, but when he does, he gets a bit of a nervous twitch in his leg. Like, yeah, we've only just heard that now, but yeah, he's he's got the nervous twitch. But yeah, but no, definitely the hand for me. Getting into that room, my favorite. What about you? Same. It's the hand yeah. and the reaction. Just the whole like, oh, you sick, sick. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, just like so... he's getting really like and he's kind of like flapping and like hitting him as well as like <laughs> yeah the classic like not really hitting him but doing like the oh yeah oh, person. yeah no it's brilliant really good. it is really good so how many scutters out of 10 would you give this episode uh i gave this one a i gave this one a 7.5 um yeah, I would have, uh, in a way, because this is dealing with, like, time travel and, like, you're saying, like, different timelines, alternate versions. And because the Inquisitor has, like, has the potential to be, like, as you say, like, this really menacing character. I know we've mentioned this before, but I think this really could have been a contender for a two-part story, mm. really. Like, you could have a really cool cliffhanger moment. Like, what if one of the main cast does get erased, like, permanently? Like, how do you resolve... Do you know what I mean? I thought that could have been a really cool uh, two-part story. So... Uh, yeah, so where it loses points for me is just the thing we've mentioned before. You know, I think sometimes they try and cram so much in, which is great, but it just doesn't all work in that 25-minute format. Like we said, points get dashed over, like the alternative Lister and Crichton. They're there, and then they're not there. No real dive you yeah. know, no real further into that. So, but yeah, 7.5 for me. There were a lot, uh, The jokes were good, as we mentioned, a lot of strong jokes. And yeah, that's mine. What about yours? I've been, oh, I've been like going between a few different numbers. I'm not sure. It's somewhere between uh, seven point five and eight point five. Mm. I'm not entirely sure where. Where am I going <laughs> to put sure. it? I'm going to put it. I think I gave. When did I? What did I give the last episode? Eight point five. I think. 
or yes. eight? Yeah, uh, I think you did eight, eight point five, eight point five. Okay, did, yeah. I'm I'm gonna give this an eight. I think. Okay. It's weird because, uh, like, this has some really strong moments in it. Uh-huh. I liked the. I think yes, last week's episode uh, was a bit more. Can like. This has more weaknesses in it as well. It has some really strong moments and some that are stronger than last week's. Yeah. But it also has these weird moments where I don't think they like the fact that they didn't really show us why someone was either worthy or not worthy. They just, and how, and how this Lister was different. That's, that is quite a big flaw in this episode for me. Okay. Uh, Just like the whole, and, even though it's Red Dwarf and even though we don't expect it to be fully uh, like logical and consistent the whole time because it is a sitcom, I kind of want it to be logical within its own logic, if that makes sense. I want, Like within the episode, I don't mind if it doesn't make sense with other episodes when you, when you look at them together because this thing contradicts that. But mm. within the episode itself, it should have like a, a cohesency to it. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Well, there we go. Uh, that is another episode another down. Another one. Another one in another the can. One in the can. Ah, well, look at that. Ah, snap. Snap. <laughs> We've been doing this for a while. You can tell. <laughs> nice. Uh, good. Yeah. We're, we'll be back again next week for another brand new episode. Um, mm-hmm. In the meantime, do go check us out elsewhere on the internet. Adam, where can they find you? Where can you find me? Uh, YouTube, Adam Martin with a Y. I should pop up. I make videos. Uh, a lot of them are on Doctor Who, but I do other stuff as well. You know, classic TV, history, I dance. Now that's what I call music. Whatever I want to make, really. Um, and yeah, we also have a podcast. Uh, pod- of course we have a podcast. Yeah, we have a we podcast. Have a- We're talking on yeah, it right now. No way. Uh, we have a Twitter <laughs> account. Is, it, is, is this the first time you've realized we've got a podcast? Because yeah, <laughs> you I just, just thought you know, we'd just been chatting. For I don't know what I thought this was. but Six um, months. The simulation is broken. Um yeah, we have a Twitter account for the podcast, is what I was meant to say. Um, all Dead Dave, All Dead Dave, po- sorry, All Dead Dave Pod. We will come up, uh, give us follow for updates on the show and general Red Dwarf tweets and whatnot. The occasional um, Red Dwarf gif just for fun. Yeah, just because who doesn't who doesn't love a gif? We all love gifs every now and then. Um, and yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, just Adam Martin AMTV. Come follow me for daily ramblings. <laughs> what about you, Phil? And well, if you're not list, what, listening or watching this on YouTube, then do check me out there, which is just Philip Hawkins, my name, 1L. And uh, I talk about Doctor Who, MCU, Star Trek, uh, Masters of the Universe. Well, Ooh. I've one video about Masters of the Universe because there's the new <laughs> series, which as of today I've watched because it just got released the day we're recording. By the time this comes out, it would have been out a while. Um, and I have recorded a review yet to edit it. Oh, um, okay. Uh, and yeah all sorts of things anything pop culture that takes my fancy really so um yeah check me out there and uh and yeah that's that's kind of it do uh do don't forget to like share subscribe all that jazz as well that really helps out the uh the the pod on on youtube and like it and i don't know what what do you do on apple podcast you like oh yeah whatever 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 the 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 button is yeah leave us a review as well yeah please do we Um, like feedback elsewhere it's always good um thanks for watching or listening or do whatever you're doing (laughs) You can tell it's late. We've we've we've, yeah. we've done a double recording today and recorded two episodes in one day, and uh, and now I'm yeah. tired. 
<laughs> and it's hot. It's hot, guys. You know, we're, it's it, there's, there's been a heat wave this week. Uh, I don't know about you. My body's drained from this heat now. So yeah. Yes. It's, we're, but we're doing this. We're doing we're doing this for you because um, yeah. we like doing this. So yeah. Yeah. So join us again next time, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. See you later. Bye.